Welcome back to Arts About. The show about art, that's a work of art sometimes in itself. Yeah, very good, Mark. As our listeners might be able to tell, John's not here today. Uh, unfortunately, he's sitting at the end of a phone waiting for somebody to ring him back. Arts About is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery and you're listening to us here with the obtuse and always surprising Mark Stewart and me, Sally Bailey, to discuss what we've been thinking about lately. What are you going to talk to us about this week, John? No, Mark. Uh, Mark, Sally. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite right. I haven't got into uh, it yet. Um, I don't think I'll tell you too much about what I've been oh. thinking about because yes. perhaps it wouldn't pass on the radio. But I'm going to speak about Eugene Van Gerard and ah. his, um, the Germanic influence on Melbourne. Fabulous. Now, that's interesting that your pronunciation of Eugene von Gerard, he was an Austrian. How do you think he would have said it? Because I say Gerard. Probably yes. Gerard, yes. Yes, just, it's, it's, it's your French yes, pronunciation. Yes, yes. no, I've I did wonder. have been corrupted by the French, as you know. Well, you did live there for yes. a very, very long time. In the studio with us today, we're going to talk to Michelle Robertson. She's an actor and director, and she's promoting the annual Arate Festival uh, called Delta, or Arate Delta, I think, is probably more correct, which I guess is the fourth, fourth iteration of it. Arate is a one-act play, performance and visual arts festival running on at the uh, Frankston Arts Centre on the 3rd, 4th and 5th of May and she's coming in a minute to talk to us. I'm also going to play a recording from uh, a little while ago. It's Dr Gabin Will about a particular painting by Eugene von Gerard, um, which is called On the Road to Geelong. Uh, and that's because we intend to do a little bit more about this great painter, painter over the coming weeks and we want to visit the Ballarat Gallery to see the exhibition that's on there of his sp- sketchbooks. Uh, well, not his, only. Not only his sketchbooks. In fact, what what it is is um, uh, cr- showing the, the, the sketches and the transition, the, the to, transition the to the actual paintings, which mm. will be really fabulous. Mm. Apparently there's something like 25 of these sketchbooks mm, that excellent. are held in the State Library and they obviously make up some of this exhibition that's on there at the moment and I think runs until the end of May. Okay, so before we go on any further, this is Tom Petty with American Girl and uh, we'll be talking to Michelle Robertson straight after. Each year, emerging and accomplished artists from the Mornington Peninsula, Frankston, Melbourne and beyond apply to be part of this one-act play performance and visual arts festival hosted by award-winning Frankston Theatre Company, Dionysus Theatre. Arate is a festival is an opportunity for emerging artists to have the opportunity to see their work realised on stage in a professional theatre environment alongside work from established artists who bring a level of experience and expertise to the festival. To describe it more in detail, Michelle Robertson, actor, director and more, joins us in the studio this morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sally and Mark. Really appreciate being here. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, We've been hearing a lot more about Dionysus Theatre lately. Can you tell us a little bit about the company, first of all, to begin with? Absolutely. Um, So Dionysus Theatre was set up uh, by artistic director Emma Sproul uh, back in 2011 in Frankston uh, with a passion for theatre, but good quality theatre in this particular area, the Frankston and Mornington Peninsula area. Um, And they look at the classics, so Greek uh, they look at Shakespeare, they look at Ionesco, mm-hmm. um, so the classic sort of tales, but contemporise them, which is really, really interesting because obviously you look at those texts and you think, how can they possibly be relevant in this day and age? Uh, but they are, and they yeah. absolutely are. And um, so it's been incredible. And they've year after year they've had uh, bigger and better and more extreme and extraordinary ideas and every year taking in away um, an incredible award nominations and awards uh, from the Victorian Drama League, uh, which is fantastic. That's very exciting. It is very exciting. I mean, it is, you're, you're right. It is very interesting to sort of imagine 
imagine the, these very old texts, but of mm. course they were all about people. They were. And as humans, uh, we haven't really changed. No. And more often than not, these stories are around relationships or, or yes. the interactions of people, aren't they? Very Politics much so. and power yes. and, and, and so on. So... Um, Every year you do an, an annual large production, we which we have talked about on the show before. Yes. But you also do this festival, which yes. is really interesting. One act plays. How do you how do you put this together? So obviously you were correct in saying earlier on Arate Delta. So it's the Arate Festival, and Delta obviously being the fourth year yep. uh, for the festival. And basically, what happens is. Um, End of each year, around about October, uh, the call-outs go out for playwrights to write um, towards a, a theme, which is normally a quote that's taken from somewhere that um, our artistic director, Melanie Thomas, has created. Uh, this year's theme is from Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Now, she is an incredible woman. She's a, a Nigerian writer. Um, and her, her quote is, I think you travel to search and you come back home to find yourself there. Mm. And so playwrights are then encouraged to respond to that quote in any way that they feel, um, you know, you know, hits them. So some of the playwrights have actually, you know, really taken the travel side. Some have really taken the search side. Some have really taken the home side. And each of them, uh, obviously, you know, put their um, application in and a panel of, um, established artists from Melbourne sit down and go through all of the plays and the performance pieces and choose which ones they'd like to have. And then once that's then chosen, directors are then, uh, chosen from applications received in January and then they go on to um, have performers uh, who audition in February and they're then chosen to bring their incredible work to life. Ah, fantastic. So, that was, so I did wonder whether or not it was the ensemble of, and I was saying incorrectly yes. before, Dionysus, Di- Dionysus. Dionysus, thank you. Um, is it the ensemble from there that, I mean, presumably actors come from, from that group or is it really much more widespread it's than that? It's really widespread, particularly right. for this festival. So the main stage shows, you know, you have quite a nice ensemble of people who come with a few extras, but for this festival, we find every single year there is an incredibly diverse cast uh, directing as well um, that are involved in this festival because it's it's different. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it's very much an opportunity for emerging artists, yeah. those that are just on the cusp of doing really incredible things and have been you know sort of sitting there um, ready to go. Uh, it gives them an, a, a professional stage to perform on, yeah, which is really fantastic. So. Yeah, because it is absolutely daunting. Firstly, it's incredibly expensive to be able to do that. Yes, that when you certainly when you're starting out. But you know, anybody in their career, theatre is is a, a tough one to to fund. But also, it is intimidating to get on those stages and to actually absolutely. get you know to get a, a really great venue like the Frankston Arts Centre. Certainly, yeah. is. so it's on a cube. It's at the Cube Thirty Seven. Yes, which is a really fantastic space because it's personal, um, yeah. and it allows the words and the work to actually be highlighted so there's no big elaborate sets it's nice very basic um, set pieces that are used throughout the entire all of the performances and it's just about the words and it's about what the performers bring to that and the, and the movement that the performers bring uh, which is really quite incredible so mm-hmm. emerging um, artists are supported by established artists who are involved in the in the uh, festival themselves and obviously very supported by the creative team behind the festival so it's a great opportunity. Sorry, can I get a word in between? Well, oh, yes, only, only for their interesting <laughs> words, Mark. So who are the judges? Oh, so the panel. So panel. Um, the, the panel um, involves so the artistic director of Arate, which is Melanie Thomas, mm. um, who's been in the Melbourne um, theatre world for a long, long time. Um, 
Emma Sproul, obviously, who is the artistic director of Dionysus Theatre because these plays are representing mm-hmm. her company. Right. And then each year, a, um, another, a director, like a, a well-known sort of director within the industry and a well-known playwright within the industry are invited to join the panel and, and have a look at these plays, which right. is great. And mm. arete is, um, it's a French word for stop. Is that, or is it another, it doesn't have another meaning? Oh, arete. arete. So, so it's Greek. Um, Greek. it's a Greek word, which means, um, in pursuit of excellence. Oh, really? Yes. Whereas in French it means to stop. Yes, right? it's a very mm. different... Different spelling. Yeah. Two T's in, in stop, isn't there? Arete? No. No one. No, oh. no one. Yeah, no, in okay. Greek it's... Yeah, and pursuit del- of excellence. And delta means... Sorry, what is delta? Um, oh. Delta's four. Four. In the Greek, okay. um, you know, sort of, yes. Okay, so are these plays, are they, are they rehearsing independently and they come together for the festival or? Well, or? No, we, re- we rehearse together in the same venue. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but obviously separate, separate, you know, plays, yes. but we, we all come together and we have a collegiate time in between, mm-hmm. um, where we all get to know each other and become a really lovely sort of family. Um, because that's what Dionysus Theatre really is. It's about a family. It's about yep. creating family. And just because this is a different type of, um, performance piece that Dionysus are doing doesn't mean that that family doesn't continue. Yes, so, okay. yeah, it's really fantastic. Now, you're an actor and a director. Yes. Um, and I think um, acting is both in this particular festival. Tell us what you're doing. So I'm directing a, a play called Still Waters, uh, and it's written by uh, an incredibly um, established American writer, Arthur M. Jolly. And he had heard about the festival and put his play forward, and it was chosen. Oh, really? Which is really fantastic. And it's an incredible piece. Um, it's basically about... Um, a husband and a wife who have lost their child. Um, she drowned. And it's about that inability or ability to try and find themselves again. So it's he's taken that whole searching for yourself, searching for who you are, mm-hmm. not as a parent, not, you know, but what does that mean um, to try and move on um, again after such a horrendous, um, obviously, accident um, that, you know, has affected their lives. So I have two beautiful um, performers, uh, which is fantastic. They're really working beautifully together and bringing this to life, which is lovely. Um, so I'm really enjoying being a director of, of Still Waters. And then I'm performing. Yes, in which one? So um, Ian Burgess, uh, a playwright from Sydney, uh, has written a monologue, uh, which is called Nigella. Ah, oh, the Nigella. The but- Nigella. So it's all about Nigella Lawson. So I'm very excited about that. I get to play the Nigella, a uh, saucy little minx that she is. She most certainly <laughs> is, yes. Yeah, so that's been really fun, watching Nigella Bites and you know Nigella um, shows for about a month or so now, just trying to get that pout right, trying to get the, the body language and the words uh, and the way she speaks, you know, just right. So um, And as a... Added incentive, we were talking just before we came on here, actually, and Michelle was saying she's also uh, that running the her pieces, this particular piece, Nigella, just runs before the interval, and she actually will be cooking. So yes, the audience so may get to taste get off to, her wares. Absolutely, might get to enjoy a few little treats afterwards, which would be great. Wonderful. So so that's two of the productions. So ha- there, how many more are there? So there are eight. Yeah. Um, so there are eight performance pieces, and so um, six plays, and then there, you've got... Uh, the verbatim quilt, which is a, a verbatim piece. So it's interviews that have been done with nine women mm-hmm. um, and those interviews have been collated um, by the director and uh, and bringing it to life. So three three uh, women are actually bringing those stories to life, which is lovely. And then we have the Pythia, who um, are a dance movement um, piece. And so they sort of intersect all of the plays. So they sort of you know bring this movement and it's about travelling around the world through dance, mm-hmm. uh, which is absolutely extraordinary. 
extraordinary. So there's dance from all over the world um, that are being you know brought into this piece, which is great. And sorry, and the Between Water and Air, is that going to be playing as well? Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay, I like the idea that domestic parrot and goldfish have a deep philosophical discussion on the triviality of life and impending death. Absolutely. Sounds wonderful. Yes, um, and it's absolutely fantastic. It really is quite funny. So, And that's what's great about this, this particular festival because the playwrights take that theme that they're given and... Um, Create Turn it around, yeah. oh, all sorts of amazing mm. things. Some are incredibly funny. Some are incredibly physical. Um, some are very dramatic. Some are, you know, so it's really fantastic. So, how long does each one? Fifteen, what? no more than fifteen minutes. No more than fifteen minutes. Yes. Mm. So you manage in one night, you can get quite a few. Yes. Right? Yes, yeah. I think. Well, there. How many are there in the in the whole? So program? there are eight eight pieces um, yes. in the whole, and then there's obviously we have a music composer who's written music that inter, inter, interludes. We have poetry who's as the well. Composer? Um, so we have Sheridan Killingback. She's, she's a local. Um, musician and music composer um, and she's done incredible work with actually creating music um, that's, that speaks to this particular Sheridan, thing. Sheridan, what was it? Killing Back. Killing Back, what a, yeah, what a great name, name isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's memorable, that's yes. for sure. Very much so. Uh, and, and poetry as well, sorry. So yes, poetry and there's also photography um, which is which is really great because we, you're looking at the visual arts so it's not just about performance and plays mm. but it's also about the visual arts that help bring that to life um, and so some of the photography you can imagine with you know travel um, is truly so how are you going to show photography um, oh that, so in the actual foyer area of cube 37 okay. our visual artists will have um, their actual wares you know being shown okay. um, and then there's a set piece so if Throughout all of the plays, a set piece is asked for from an, a re, an artist in resident each year. And um, we have an incredible home quilt. So we have a beautiful quilt that's been designed, made, mm. um, all this beautiful print work that's been done. And so that has to be used in each of the plays to some degree. Wow. Yeah, which is really beautiful. Oh, right. it sounds very exciting. It really does. It's yeah. an amazing, uh, amazing initiative. So... You better tell our listeners how they can, where it's on, yes. how they can get there and when. Absolutely. So it's on, on Thursday the 3rd of May, Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th of May. It's at Cube 37 at Frankston Arts Centre and tickets are available through the Frankston Arts Centre website which is www.thefac.com.au. I will of course put links on our Facebook page Thanks. and spread the word that way as well. It's yeah. been great talking to you today. It Thank sounds you. like an incredible festival and uh, I, I better not miss this one. Now coming up next is a track, it's called Manta Ray, it's an original song composed by Ralph and Anoni, and Anoni was also known previously as Antony from Antony and the Johnsons. It's it's performed by Anoni and it was released as the lead single from the soundtrack of a, um, of a, for a film called Racing Extinction that is a, a story about the ongoing anthropogenic mass extinction of species. It was an award winning, won Academy Awards and lots of critical plays. This is Manta Ray. There's a Eugene von Gerard exhibition on in Ballarat at the moment, running until the end of May, that we're going to be visiting over the next week or so, called Eugene von Gerard, Artist Traveller. It tells the story of the art of Austrian-born artist Eugene von Gerard and the, land, the landscape painter of colonial Australia, who after his attempt at luck on the goldfields, travelled extensively throughout the country, mostly the southeastern Australia, recording the landscape in pocket-sized sketchbooks that he would then return to his studio and ultimately transform into these incredible paintings. Um, he lived in Melbourne and became the first master of the School of Painting at the National Gallery of Victoria. 
So before we manage to get there and talk to the gallery curator, Julie McLaren, about this incredible painter in more detail, I thought uh, it might, that I might play a recording from the hilarious duo Will and Dr Gabe from their Profound Thread series. Um, it was one that they made on their journey to Ballarat to see the wonderful Von Gerard painting that's part of their permanent collection called On the Road to Geelong. Um, as usual, Will is completely off the rails, but Dr. Gabe manages to rein him in and stitch together some fascinating facts about the young painter. And uh, together they introduce us to a very interesting artist. Um, don't take any notice of the dates they mention because this was recorded some time ago, uh, but you can go there to the gallery at Geelong and see this painting any time. Here it is. Good morning, everyone. I'm here with Dr. Gabe. Good morning, Gabe. Hi, Will. How are you? Are you excited? I'm very excited. I'm sitting here in your car. This is a little Fiat. Is this a Fiat Bambino? Or? It's Well, you should know by the fact that your knees are around your earlobes at the moment. It is the Fiat Punto. A Punto. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's... Not very big, I'd have to confess. I didn't realise your your dimensions and your girth uh, were so expansive until uh, you... You know, it's being able to drive while practising yoga is something <laughs> I've always thought about doing. So what are we doing today? You've, you've brought me down to the end of the peninsula. This is looking a little suspicious. What's the plan? Well, the idea is uh, that we're about to get on a ferry to go from Sorrento over to Queenscliff and onwards to the Geelong Art Gallery. What are we going to see in Geelong? Well, it's a very special painting there, uh, which is a centrepiece of a forthcoming exhibition, and I thought we might check it out in advance. It's a Eugène von Gerard picture, and I thought we would take the boat because it is very much a story of a voyage for von Gerard, who came in the 1850s on a journey from his native uh, Northern European background through uh, into London and on a voyage of four months duration to Geelong and on to, on to Melbourne, where uh, he became a very established painter here. And in, in fact, Melbourne was his home for 30 years. And what era was this? This is just in the beginning of the gold rush. But um, for a man... Uh, 1890s? No, 1850s. 1850s. And uh, his great-great-grandfather was actually a hereditary knight in France. This was a, a young boy that lived in the shadow of great Baroque palaces. And uh, it's extraordinary to think what an incredible contrast it must have been from uh, from the uh, wealthy aristocracy of the northern European uh, regions to come to a very, very young, young Well, place. I think let's move on. Let's get on this boat. Do you suffer sea? Sickness? You have no idea how much seasickness I suffer, and unfortunately, like you've left your mental pills at home this morning, I've left my seasickness at mm. home. So my seasickness pills are presently in a glass on my uh, bureau, and, and I've forgotten them. So I'm rolling the dice and taking my chances this morning. Much like Von Gerard did when he came. Yes, I'm hoping not to deposit the curbside quiche, but let's see how we go. Okay, well we're now inside this rather marvellous gallery beautiful building. A bit of a surprise as you come in through the electric doors to find this really is a, a solid Victorian building. Well it was actually established in 1896 and it's one of Australia's leading and oldest regional art galleries well. It's beautiful and we're standing in front of the Von Gerard that you've brought me here to see, the view of Geelong from 1886. 1856. 1856. Yep, your, eye, your eyes are failing you because you're just totally blown away by the mm. majesty of this painting we see before us. Well, it is a beautiful painting, and it, it looks like it was done yesterday. It's in great condition, and it's a most incredible scene. It's been painted 
rather from high up looking down onto Karaya Bay and you can see the early settlement of Geelong with the Yuyangs in the background and probably right over in the very far background we can see the other side of the bay which probably means that's the Dandenong Ranges. It's obviously a very clear day that he's portrayed and there's lots of little details everywhere we look. He's sort of known for um, minimising man's presence you know, the little dwellings, the little fences, the little people are actually lost in the vast stretches of land, which is very much in keeping with Eugene von Gerard's style, uh, known as the sublime or the romantic, which is that man is pretty much nothing as against the majesty of nature. Yes, well, probably not in my case, but that's the way that goes. Can you tell me something about the provenance of this painting? It's got a fabulous backstory, Will. The painting is now owned by the Geelong Gallery, but prior to that, Andrew Lloyd Webber paid $1.98 million for the painting when it came onto the market in 1996 was actually loaned to the gallery not long after that and it was hugely popular with the residents. He's the guy that did Cats. And that's the one. And uh, in 2006, Lloyd Webber actually offered the painting for sale via London Auction House Christie's and it, they, he actually gave Geelong Gallery the first did right of refusal. Did you go to Cats in Sydney? Did you go up there and see that? <laughs> I did indeed. I think Deborah Boone was in one of the leading roles. If we could just stay on message well. Um, he actually sold it for 3.8 million. I remember the Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera was, was another one. Abs- People used to shorten that to just, um, Phantom. They'd say, have you seen Phantom? Did you? I'm actually oh, just, I'm going to keep talking yeah, yeah. Oh, about sorry. the painting if I may. So following a national fundraising campaign, the Geelong Gallery actually ended up acquiring this work, which hadn't... Evita. It was actually one of... Yes, Evita is Will, but we'll just keep talking about the painting if we can for a moment. And look, the thing that I love about it is it's now resting in its native location and it captures a time of early gold rush Victoria and you see signs of in the foreground of bullocks Mm. and carts on their way to the gold fields yeah, and perhaps yeah. even a little chap who's coming back from, uh, oh, from the yeah. gold fields. You know how they used to shorten the names of those musicals? People would shorten them, the Phantom of the Opera to just Phantom. Do you reckon that's why this guy called... It was not Von Gerard, was it? It was Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> you reckon that's why he short, that he called it Cats, so you they think, couldn't shorten it? You think that guy on the left of the picture plane isn't coming back from the gold, the gold fields? Maybe he's coming back from the West End. He's walking back from Sydney, having been fleeced up there. But if, you don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to yeah, talk sorry. a bit about the profound thread, Will, and how it relates to this picture, because Eugene von Gerard has a very special place in our own artistic heritage here in Victoria particularly, because he was the first curator and master of the National Gallery in Victoria and his leading students were Tom Roberts and Fred McCubbin. Mm. So he was the one who encouraged them to take off and paint on plein air and um, enjoy the landscape and as you can see from this beautiful rendering I think he had a real love for our local um, landscape. And that's long before Andrew Lloyd Webber's day isn't it? We're talking back in the late 1800s. <laughs> yes indeed. Well, Streeton of course we've just come over by boat with the other immigrants um, over here to Geelong and of course Streeton spent a lot of time on the Mornington Peninsula painting himself. He had friends down there. 
Yes, he did indeed. Some very uh, well-known uh, Melbourne families, in fact. The other part that I wanted to talk about, the profound thread, is where did von Gerhard get his style from? And that's a little sad story where his um, parents, who had a very volatile marriage, split when von Gerhard was only 14. Yes, stay on message if you wouldn't mind. Uh, at the age of 14, he takes off with his father to Italy in 1826. And it's there where, in Rome, they come across a group of uh, artists known as the Lucas Bruder, which actually is, they're better known as the Nazarenes, who go on to inform uh, a lot of pre-Raphaelite work and take their inspiration from the Renaissance, where they like to show nature true to itself in every detail. And uh, I think you can see a lot of the Lucas Bruder in this particular work. Yeah, I think von Gerard's father was an artist too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was actually the court painter to Emperor Francis I in Dusseldorf. He did indeed. He did paint miniatures. You've got quite a uh, tradition in the family. And if he'd been born later, I suppose he could have easily painted some of the backdrops to some of those Lloyd Webber musicals. I really don't think there's much point us continuing with this, Will. This is becoming macabre and it's becoming increasingly obvious to me that you haven't had your mental pills. Well, I didn't know about the Andrew Lloyd Webber connection, so I'm sorry. And what's the other guy? Rice. David Rice. Tim Rice. Tim Rice. Can we just back to the concentrate? So that's pretty much all I wanted to say about this particular painting, but to remind our listening audience that between the 18th of May and the 25th of August, Impressions of Geelong, a portrait of the city and its region, is on here at the Geelong Art Gallery, and it's well worth a look. Not just for the Eugène von Gerard pictures here, but there is famous uh, Goldfields artists such as S.T. Gill presented here, there's Walter Withers, there's John Skinner Prout, there's Arthur Street, and it's definitely worth a look. Mm, yeah, and I think there's a McCubbin or two here, isn't there? You're right? absolutely yeah. right. What did you mention? I already mentioned that. Sorry, I was a little distracted. By the Lloyd Webber connection? No, 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 I was thinking about the John Wolseley paintings around the corner, which these sketchbooks, they're also here, they're worth seeing. There's a Rosalie Gascoigne hanging around the corner. There's a lot of beautiful stuff in here. And no crowds. If we were in Melbourne now at the National Gallery, it would be difficult to see the works of art. There's no one here. There is a a lady next door, that's it. It's beautiful in here. Do they have anywhere in Geelong that's a bit like Pellegrini's in Melbourne? Yeah, actually there's a restaurant I'm going to take you to for lunch for a bowl of pasta called Lipari. So if we wrap this up, we can go and feed ourselves. Mm. I'm looking forward to that. So we might go off and do that and we'll just get back to you in the studio and you can unscramble this mess. Yes, as I mentioned before, Will had forgotten to take his mental pills. Um, it is, uh, uh, they're, they're right though that, uh, although those dates for the, for that particular exhibition are now no longer relevant, that painting does still exist in the uh, Geelong National Gallery and there are, and there is an incredible collection of work there. There's always something fabulous to see. So, uh, and I believe uh, that that follows a little bit on to you, Mark, because well, you wanted to talk about Von Gerard as well. Well, yes, I am. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, continue on with what they were saying, which was <clears throat> Eugene was born on the 17th of November 1811 uh, in Venice, uh, sorry, in Vienna, and his father was a, a miniature painter for the court. Mm. When they separated, he and his father went to Italy, to Naples, for 12 years, where he's... You know, he said that, with that they mentioned it, of course, and before the miniatures. What did, what were the miniatures for? Were they parts of... Were they jewellery? Were they for lockets? They were, or what were, they, what were, were they? they were uh, extremely popular for people because they were easy to... Tuck away when there was a war. 
So it was, simp- it was like jewelry. It was a, a, right. an investment that was worth money, and people would would um, exchange them for great sums of money. Uh, and there was some. I think there was another miniaturist out here. I think Nicolas uh, Bouvelet, one of them. The one painter was uh, yeah. was a, a miniaturist also. And there, a lot of people were painted like that. And of course, I guess because there was no camera. We, no, you know, so that's no, no, the way that people remember. Also, yes, yeah, so they, they yes. each each other they keep them as mementos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it doesn't go as far as the Japanese who will sculpt. Um, Rice uh, into into mm. sculptures, which you can only see under a microscope. So I mean, it can go a long way. Yeah, we'll have nanotechnology soon. Anyway, <clears throat> he and his father spent twelve years in Naples, where his father was stabbed to death in a trattoria after complaining his spaghetti was cold. Are you serious? No, um, oh. he was heavily influenced by <laughs> Claude Lorraine, Nicholas Poussin, and Salvador Rosa. So. When he arrived in Australia in 1852 to dig for gold, he was already 41, so he, oh, was, right. he wasn't a young man. Well, I thought he so. was much younger, but no, no, no he was quite, 40. And he was unsuccessful as a gold digger, but did produce a large number of intimate studies of Goldfield's life, which we will see in Ballarat, as well as undertaking commissions recording the dwellings and properties of wealthy squatters and murderers. He's known mostly for his wilderness paintings, and mm. his Tower Hill, which I didn't know, in southwestern Victoria, was used as a botanical template over a century later when the land, which had been laid waste and polluted by agriculture, was reclaimed, forested with native flora, and made a state park. How interesting. Isn't that amazing? Yes, so imagine, that it was used as a reference. A reference. Imagine yes. trying to do that with a Fred Williams. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> after. <laughs> After being forgotten for almost a hundred years, mm. which is what a lot of people don't mm. don't realise, he was ignored by Bernard Smith, the the doyen of Australian art history, barely mentioned in Alan McCulloch's Encyclopedia of Australian Art, and dismissed by Robert Hughes in his youthful The Art of Australia in nineteen sixty six. Do you think that that was is, is that fashion? Is that sort of the no? Fashion? I'll explain why. Okay, I'll go on to that. It wasn't until Ruth Poulin's, uh who I don't know, two hundred and eleven exhibition Eugene von Gerhard Nature Revealed at the NGV. I wasn't here, so I missed it that Eugene was restored to his rightful place. In his time, he was generally highly regarded and was the first director of the NGV, and and as the still new city of Melbourne had few competent cultural instigates or judges, most people were more concerned with stealing land and making money. And as there was no real canon of Australian art, and many artists in the country still brought a European perspective to the Australian landscape, which Mm. is what we know. The um, the canon of Australian art was formed by Eugene's successors, who he taught, Tom Roberts and Charles Condor and, and McGovern, yeah. etc. And the only person that they, they went against his, him as a teacher and accepted people like Louis Bouvelot, who was a Barbizon-style painter, more, more almost like an Impressionist. So the, the Heidelberg group, as they came to be known, were the first to see the natural environment in this country, particularly its light and flora, with fresh eyes. Yeah. And so people who came before were just ignored, basically, and Dupont Girard oh. was one of them. So they were give, giving the Australian art a, a, an Australian eye, and that, that started there with the Heidelberg people, even though they were he- heavily influenced yes. by his plein air painting techniques. So... He was also, you know, not only was he um, uh, Austrian, he was foreign, cosmopolitan, academic, and they, the next generation of artists didn't like this. So in the exhibition at Ballarat, Eugene um, Artist Traveller 
one could add explorer, Ruth Poulan, who's done a very good job, um, has... She's curated this She's a curator. She's yes. the one who created one in NGV in, in, in 2011. Oh, it's the same... So it's the same oh, curator. Really? Um, so she's showing him to be an, ex, an, un, an unmatched, um, as a, a curious and, pre- and precise in his ob- observation of nature and how he trans- the transition from the sketchbooks, as you mentioned, yes. to the paintings themselves. But the good, one of the interesting thing about when Eugene came to Melbourne was the, the, the Melbourne life, intellectual life, was dominated by mostly German scientists and scholars and um, cultural icons. So it, this is some, not something we talk about a lot in Melbourne, the German influence. No, I think we don't probably at because all. Because of the First and Second World War. It's something that we, 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 we keep the sort of English and Anglo That's right. uh, uh, vision of what happened in Melbourne, whereas there was a lot of French and, and German and even Swiss influence on, on the cultural life, which we, it's worth looking into at some mm. stage. So when you talk about the natural, uh, his way of looking at nature, he was heavily influenced by the German naturalist Alexander von Humboldt, who was Goethe's um, stu- student as in looking into the science behind the, what you're seeing and, the, the, and responding to the natural environment in a scientific way. If you think about the Lutherians, who, who were the, one of the first to look after the Aborigines in, mm-hmm. in the desert, there's a big influence, I think, in, in sort of spread out around Australia of these German intellectuals. So um, he travelled around Victoria because he was travelling with a surveyor called um, George von Neumayer, who was doing magnetic surveys of the Victorian countryside, and Eugene travelled with him to Mount Kosciuszko, hence the. Ah, oh, that's famous, why they went to all these extraordinary this is why they were going remote to these, locations. Exactly. Right. He was travelling with them because they yes. were obviously well funded <clears throat> camping trips and he could have, have his way. Cape, Cape Otway, he went to also and to Kosciuszko. And also down here at Cape Shank. Also I mean, Cape Shank yeah. in 1862, I think it was. So he was doing a lot of moving around, but he was not only was he doing commissions for the wealthy squatter murderers, he was also doing um, work on, on natural landscapes. And yeah. so he was influenced by the sublime, but he was also influenced by um, Humboldt for yes. his, the scientific exactitude of his studies. How amazing. That's mm. really great insight. Mm. Well, that's, that's wonderful because we're going to be going up there fairly soon and it'll be it. wonderful to walk around and with all, with a little bit more knowledge yes. uh, about who he was as a person. And apparently, apparently there's a, there's a plaque, um, ha, there's a Georgian house in Gipps Street in East Melbourne that he used to live in and there's mm. a plaque on it. You can go past mm. and see where he actually lived, presumably while he was the director at the National Gallery. Yes. Now just to finish off with Eugene, yes. he ended up going back to, uh, had a, he, I think he married an Englishwoman. I'm not quite sure exactly. He had an, uh, a daughter and moved back to London and ended up dying in Chelsea in 1901, impoverished and destitute. Oh, that's Lost all his really? money on the stock market. Mm, poor what Eugene. A, oh, what a, sad, what a sad ending yes. to such a magnificent uh, career. Now, just to finish off. Oh, yes. No, we haven't really. Okay. Because uh, what I wanted, needed to talk to you about was... Uh, we had your lovely son oh, in yes. here some time ago... Uh, Tristan. Tristan came in, uh, and he. We played a little bit of the, uh, the music that he um, had, had created the latest uh, EP, with the latest yeah. EP, which was called Jakarta. Yes. So you well, you well, said there's, there's a new film clip. Well, no, they've just got a they've got a French um, company uh, music producer in, interested in, in making another EP, which is great news. And they've just left uh, made a video called uh, My Friend for the song My Friend which is uh, worth seeing on YouTube. And we now have their track, 
which you must remember, they're uh, Australian boys, but grew up in France, so they they can't say thought. I know, thought, yes. which is cute. But anyway, I well, don't. it's very cute, and you can see that in the video that 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 they're, <laughs> that they're thinking. Yeah, yes. terrific. All right. Well, this is uh, my friend by Jakarta, uh, Mark's two boys, Tristan, Tristan and, and Raphael, and Raphael, and uh, no doubt we'll be hearing a little bit more of them in the future. And I will also put a link on our Facebook page to the YouTube video. It adds such an inane end to the show, doesn't it? That's that lovely glass piece is. Yes, it is. That beautiful atmospheric piece from your, your boys. Okay, coming up this week, Arete Delta Festival is on at the Franklin Arts Centre on the 4th, 3rd, 4th, 5th of May. Could you turn the, um, that's so loud, the, uh, typewriter. Brody, thank you very much. Couldn't, couldn't hear myself think then. Good. The Dreamhouse Theatre Company are presenting Masquerade Friday, May the 4th at SPAC. That's the Southern Peninsula Art Centre, if you okay. don't know what SPAC is. Mm. I remember what it used to be. Yeah, it's not, it's no, not that no, anymore. No, 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 okay. The Art Gallery of Ballarat has an exhibition of Eugene von Gerard's sketchbooks and gives a rare opportunity to, uh, to trace the evolution of a work from the sketchbook stage to the final painting. Uh, so that's really, that, I think that's on until the end of May and we'll be talking, yeah, we'll be talking more about yeah. that. On the map, <clears throat> a celebration of all the creativity going on in the Mornington Industrial Precinct this April the 28th, as we heard from event organizer Sharon Wayne Smith. Yeah, she came in a couple of weeks ago. Now, also, The Vicar of Dibley uh, um, is on, uh, directed by Keith Gledhill. It's uh, Southern Peninsula Players, and that is going to be... It's on uh, May the 17th through to the 26th, uh, uh, through to the 27th, actually. I think I'll put a link on our Facebook page, and perhaps we might even get them in to talk about it, because... Uh, I'm not sure that we know terribly much about them, but we probably should because I think they've been performing here on the peninsula since 1952. There's also the new um, uh, propaganda exhibition on at the Mornington Peninsula Gallery, which is opening up, I don't know when, but soon. Oh, we better go along to that So it's called too. Have a Propaganda. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. That's right. Yes. yes. Okay. So we'll look into that. We will indeed. And I think there's also a new exhibition on at McClelland, and we're going to go and have a look at that too in the next week or so. Now, I just also wanted to mention we have a new podcast address, which I'm going to, which is on the Facebook page already. It's a wooshka.com. It's a lot easier than our previous podcast address was to use that was just through the station website. Um, it will give you a bit more information and is a lot easier to negotiate. So go to our Facebook page and find that link and you'll be able to listen to any of the programs that you might like. If you've just tuned in, you've missed out about, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12 or listen to the podcast, as I mentioned, either on the station website or our new address, the wooshka.com. You can hear links to find some of the things we've talked about today on our Facebook page, and you can get to hear what's coming up as well if you like our page. Remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art. We do our best. John, I hope you're better. Yeah, we hope you're better, John. Uh, We're missing you. Thank you very much, Brody.